Are we recording? No, too much, too much, too much, too much. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Ducks Watch Together. I'm Josh. I am Kylie. And on today's episode, we talk about 42. Not 41 and not 43. 42. There's a subtitle to this movie. Oh, is it the Jackie Robinson story? I think it's 42, The an American... Tale? An American... <laughs> An American story? tale goes west? I, okay, it's maybe... I feel like the word America is there, but they just call it 42. I don't see anything anywhere for a subtitle. This movie has a subtitle. It, like, in its original credits, it was there. 42, the Jackie Robinson story. Nailed it! You did it, look <laughs> at you. Yep. See, I feel like they put it for people like me... Mm-hmm. Who would be like, isn't that like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy or something? <laughs> I'm like, why is this just a number? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then I feel like they dropped it once it released on like video or whatever. Live, die, repeat. Yeah. Edge of tomorrow. There it is. I think it's because once it's on video, you you can look at a box and show like the player and show the, the image. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're just going to the theaters... 42, the Jackie Robinson story, tells you more than just 42. Yeah, it's like those old days. I was talking with uh, Sylvana with this, where I would I was like, you know, when this was a Carmike, I remember that sign used to have the movie titles mm-hmm. on it. And, like, now I'm like, well, how do people know what movies are playing here? And I'm like, well, how do I know the, <laughs> what movies are playing here? Your it's phone? my phone. I miss the marquees. It's the internet. Like, I understand why there's no need for them, but I miss the marquees. Like, just being able to drive by the theater, I'm like, oh, this is playing. Mm-hmm. It's just something nice and kind of nostalgic in that sense. Um, Kylie, I have, I have some issues. Okay. I, I have two, two of my best friends who I've never met. Are, are fighting. About what? About Netflix. Okay. Steven Spielberg. Andrew Jupin got in on it. Who? It was my guy. Oh. So he's from We Hate Movies. Oh, okay. But he didn't get in on it, like, with an opinion. They asked, what's the difference between a window and a something? Limited release. Oh, okay. And he was like, a window is this, a limited release is this. And I was like, thanks, Andrew Jupin. Can you, can you explain to the listeners? Let me, get, let me find his tweet real okay. quick. Okay, great. Uh, while you're looking up that tweet, uh, my two best friends who I've never met, Steven Spielberg and Ava DuVernier, are oh on opposite sides of Netflix. this argument about Netflix. So what happened was, uh, about a week after the Oscars, uh, Steven Spielberg uh, came out uh, on his front lawn in his slippers, in, in his wardrobe, grabbed his paper and looked across the street at Netflix and yelled, Get off my lawn, you kids! Although, really, what he said was, Hey, I'm gonna call an emergency meeting for the Governor's Award... For the Governors of the Academy Awards, basically their board, um, to make sure that something like Roma never happens again. Meaning, a Netflix film shouldn't... With the way that it was released and the way that it is released to the public, should not be eligible for an Academy Award. And he even goes as far to say they should win all the Emmys because they're a TV movie. But that's what they are unless they want to play by the rules of releasing into cinema. And Ava DuVernier came forward and basically said, it's okay, old man Steven Spielberg, 
go back inside, we're going to keep having progress over here. I think that she's just also still irked at him. Yes. Because, like, everyone's like... Okay, well, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> My thesis statement was about to get a lot bigger. I'm going to shorten it down. <laughs> okay. Um, because when she was, like, making Selma, she was like, Hey, Spilly Babes, you have the film rights to MLKJ speeches. Me, I'm, I'm making that film. Can I have a speech? And he was like, no, I might make that film someday. Rude! Rude, Spielberg! I'm like, Spielberg, remember when we made the color purple? And we might... We were the person that could have made it at the time. But now it's no longer that's the case. I feel like... I feel like this is what she could have done. Not saying that she probably didn't do this and he might have shot her down. But I feel like she'd have been like, hey, hey, Spielberg. You want to be a producer? You want to be a producer? Like, you know, I'll just put your name on it. Like, <laughs> you can, you know what? And in an Oscar, I'll get you there. If we get one of those, we'll get you there. Also, here's some points for the box office. You ain't got to do anything. Just, just give me the speech. Here's some money and credit. Look how cool you get to be. <laughs> you could be. <laughs> you have to do little work and you'll get so much credit. Everyone will be like, man. Steven Spielberg. Progress. Now he's now he's letting others use their voice. Okay, sorry. I had the different... Uh, it was okay. a window and a run. Okay, go for it. Okay. So a window means that there's, a f- there's four weeks between the theatrical release date and the streaming release date. Mm-hmm. Theaters don't have to keep the film on screen. Most films I screen for open... And, oh, I'm sorry. That no longer matters. Um, one of the things that he had talked about on his podcast was, was with his issues with Roma, mm-hmm. Netflix um, thing. When Netflix released it into theaters, their demands were, all right, you can run it from Monday to Thursday, but not the weekend. And then you can reopen it again Monday to Thursday. And then a little bit after it had been on Netflix, they could do it a lot longer. Uh-huh. Um but there were so it was they they were like you can only do this you can have it in your theater but this it's because they only did it because they wanted the qualifying the, Oscar. the Oscars mm-hmm. like and that's the frustrating part to me and that's why I'm a little bit on old man Steven Spielberg's side in this argument in that sense of if you want to be a movie be a movie if you want to be television be television. I don't like the idea that Netflix is trying to, for no other reason than they can, blur the line. I get it. It's semantics. We're all arguing over a billion dollar semantical issue. But like, it's their industry. And they kind of get to make the rules, whoever they are. In that sense of, it is defined that Oscars are for movies, and movies are defined as this specific thing, this specific experience. Television is defined as a very different experience. And it is, if you really want to get to a semantical difference, and this to me I think is probably what the Spielberg audience, or the Spielberg-like side of the argument is saying, is they are different art forms. And it's different mediums that you're presenting it in. And I know that not a lot of people are going to see this because you television and movies are, and even like YouTube and like digital streaming, 
they're they're all similar aspects of this but it's kind of like to me it's like painting and i'm gonna say it's like painting in the sense of you've got a canvas and you can paint with watercolors or or you can paint with acrylic or you can paint with charcoal or you can you can do whatever you can melt wax crayons down and paint with those like there's all kinds of ways that you can go about doing something you can create for cinematic art in just as trying to create whatever like a broad term is for a movie which is designed to be played in a large theatrical experience television which is designed to be played at home for consumption in a smaller medium and digital art which is designed to be consumed on a phone or a laptop and in smaller bits and chunks so to award these mediums we've given out all these different awards and hollywood has clearly defined oscars as movies and television is Emmys. And, and Netflix- the streamies is YouTube. Yeah, yeah, the streamies over there, yeah. Um, the duckies. No, sorry, the uh, the blankies <laughs> over here. This is what they get, yeah. <laughs> no, the blankies is still movies. I know. <laughs> um, but, I to me, this is why where I come down on the side of the argument of like, dude, I the, the system is defined. And if you would like to be both movies and television, there is a model that is already working that's doing that. And that's Amazon's model. Amazon has said, if we release it straight to Prime, it's television. If we release it out into theaters, it's a movie. And And then we'll release it onto Prime. And this is the thing that I just don't understand about Netflix. You can have an opportunity to make double the revenue. And... I get it. Like, you don't want to pay the ad streaming. You don't want to pay the theater contract or whatever it might be. But, like, dudes, if you want to be a movie, you got to play the game. That's always been part of the thing. The game has changed, and I get that you're changing the game. But, I, yeah, I, I'm a little bit on the camp of, like, we need to define what a movie is and what a television program is. And then there's Steven Soderbergh. Okay. Yeah, no, that's a great thing. <laughs> Who's like, I've made movies. <laughs> Andre, <laughs> Andre, right here. Right up a phone, Andre. <laughs> I've made movies on my iPhone. <laughs> and put them into theaters. And then no one goes to them. So I'm going to stick with Netflix. Where, like, Steven Soderbergh's like, I'm going to try this whole marketing thing differently. Because marketing, I'm going to crack the code. Have you heard that, like, he's come back on that? Oh, no. So, after Logan Lucky... I totally agreed with him. I was like, if you want to just make Netflix show movies, you can. You yeah. just won't win an Oscar. Well, that's what he's going to do at this point, probably. Because after Logan Lucky, he's come out and said... I botched that film. That film could have been so much more than what it was and could have been seen by so many more people. But because I went, I tried to beat the marketing system and my theory failed. Um, And so I don't think that it was his theory that was invalid. I just think maybe it wasn't the right target or maybe it wasn't, you know, like maybe it wasn't anyway. But so he, that's why he's now with Netflix is because he's like, well, they'll let me make my iPhone movies and do whatever I want with them because I'm Steven Soderbergh and I give them clout. Yeah. 
I already have my Oscar. I'm fine. Yeah. I'm it's, nominated against myself. It's sleepy times. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, it, like, after you win the Oscar, like, do you need to do it again? I mean, Coron did. <laughs> he was like, I need... I think Alfonso's just like... I don't... I, I, he's like, <laughs> so I want one of them to win Best Picture. Like, I got two of these directing things. Will you give it Picture? Come on! You gave it Foreign Language Film. That's like Best Picture. Yeah. But for non-English languages. Fair enough. Anyway, I just thought it was an interesting debate to, to like, it's still going on and it's still there and I don't, I, I really, I, I don't know where it's going to go or how it's going to play out because I, I want Netflix to just play the game. Like, if you want to be a movie, be a movie. If you don't, don't. Period. But also, I get that, like, there is another side of this argument that's like they're giving filmmakers an opportunity to make movies and we shouldn't be quote unquote discrediting them as TV movies just because they're not in theaters. And I get that argument too. I think it's a really fair argument. But I think that Netflix has a platform and it could put more movies out into theaters. Yeah. I think that there are some that will just, just that you can just keep straight to video. Yeah. Like, I don't know, release Velvet Buzzsaw. We're fine. <laughs> but. Yeah. I don't know. Like, if you do get, if you do find a film that you think is worth it, put it into theaters. Be Like, A24, what I appreciate about them, they're not even, like, within this argument, but they're like, there are filmmakers out there that we want to explore and give them the platform to be able to show their films. Yeah. And sometimes... It doesn't work, and sometimes you get the hereditary guy who's now getting to make another film. Trailer drops on, like, Tuesday or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other thing is, uh, David Sims, good friend who've never met, tweeted about Netflix's debt consolidate or debt acquisition. And basically... His whole thing is that so Netflix is acquiring more debt. Their 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 system is that they're not making money fast enough there, so they're borrowing against their debt is something that they're doing. Basically, it's not a very sound financial strategy. They're just throwing money around in the sense of like, yeah, we'll make it back. Sure. And Sims's point was like, yeah, I'll, I'll believe Netflix is here to stay when they stop doing stuff like this. And I just not they're making weird choices and I'm, I'm wondering if I don't want to lose my DVD plan. I got hoop dreams right there. Ooh. <laughs> Upcoming episode I'm taking real seriously. You are. I'm really excited for it. I have you ever heard of the film Playtime? Yeah. Have I you seen, seen it? it? Oh man, I was uh, you might like it cuz it's like filmmaking, but I was Ooh. I was like sleepy time. <laughs> All right, all right. Well, that was that was my uh, that that was my, my intro topic, and I'm not anti Netflix totally. I'm anti you trying to get all the awards. <laughs> Stop it. Pick a lane. Um, we only got like three. Yeah. This time around. Yeah. It's fine. Oh, uh, we got four. Four. What else did they get? Three for Alfonso okay. and period end of sentence. Okay. Yeah, I think that's it. All right. Yeah. Okay. Um. 
friends, if you want to tell us your thoughts on the Netflix conundrum, are they a movie or are they television? Do you care? Weigh in on it at friendofafriendpodcast.squarespace.com. Also, Josh wants Roma on DVD. I do want Roma on DVD. Well, now we don't even have the great question of will you get Roma on DVD to put in your best picture category. No worries, Josh. I will get Roma. I will probably buy Roma on DVD before I buy Green Book on DVD. Uh, I'm going to get you Green Book. Thank you. Don't you worry. Thank you. You are a hero. I'll go through and find all of the terrible best picture winners and just start getting... Here you go, Josh! No worries. I already have Crash and Shakespeare in love. Do you have Driving Miss Daisy, though? I don't. Oh, that would be a really good... I don't have Green Book 1. <laughs> I, uh... <laughs> Driving Miss Daisy beats Spike Lee twice. Oh, such a good tweet. Such a good tweet. <sighs> you can also find us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes with a five-star review or any star review. We'll read it out here on the podcast. You can also hit that subscribe button. Aww. That helps us get new listeners. Please, please, please do it, friends. We would so appreciate it. Or, you know, give it a share. Also, you can find us on uh, Facebook at Friend of a Friend Podcasts. And now on with the show. All right, Kylie. We, you laid down a, an, an, an edict before we started. How long does this episode have to be? 42 minutes. And uh, what are we at? It's currently? not going to be 42 what, minutes. What are we at currently? 17. All right, we're going to do it. We're going to get, this is going to be exactly 42 minutes, but I'm going to need you to like keep track. Okay. So like, if we're running long, we got to, we got to, or if we're going short, we got to figure it out. Okay. Right? There we go. No cuts. All right, Josh. Yes. Here's my thoughts. Yeah. I <laughs> Oh, wait. Before your thoughts. Yeah. Uh, why are we doing this episode? We haven't talked about that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's favorite segment where we talk about why we're doing the episode. It's on. It's on my list. <laughs> it's on here. I don't know. You're like, how to get here? Who knows? Is baseball season starting? We usually do a baseball film. Uh, we're doing it a little bit early this year, but yes, baseball season is starting. The Seattle Mariners, my favorite team, happen to be playing the first game of the season. We're not in... the Dallas Cowboys. Mm, they're a football team. That's why they can't be my favorite baseball team. <laughs> <laughs> One of many Ooh, reasons. Oh, sports ball. Yeah. I made a great sports ball rep. I made a great joke on your letterbox review. You, you take it back. You did. You made a wonderful joke. <laughs> and I took away all your comedy points. No, I loved it. <laughs> um, the Mariners are opening against the Oakland, Oakland Athletics in Tokyo, Japan this year. Is where we're opening the season. Every once in a while, they do this to start the season. They go to a different international location. Have so. they gone to, like, Seattle, Germany? Uh, no, they do Japan. They've done Puerto Rico. They've done, I believe they've done Mexico City. Um, they've done, I want to say, somewhere in the Dominican Republic. They might have been Santiago. I don't really know how big baseball is in the whole world. It's it's mostly big in so it's an American born sport and then it's become really huge in Japan, Japan. and then Central America. Uh okay. Yeah. Because like it used to be an Olympic sport as no. well as softball and it's no longer is and I part of that had to do with how uh, it was just the streak of the United States, essentially, yeah. with it, which then I was like, careful there, Canada, you're going to get ice hockey taken away from the Olympics. 
That's why they lost one year. They're like, oh no! We'll give it to the Americans, the one with the second highest (laughs) ratings. Um, So baseball, in terms of when it it got taken away out of the Olympics, they created their um, world... World Series. Not the World Series. That it's, it has Canada and it's got the United States. It's not the World Cup either. Man, I'm I'm mad at myself. We can't cut this, this, Josh. I know. We can't cut anything because of timing wise. Baseball World Cup, which is not what it's called. We well, got twenty two minutes left. It is uh who it is. It's called the World Cup. There you go. World Cup of baseball. There it is. They basically they're like Anybody can come compete. And there's a lot of teams from, like I said, Central America and um, Southeast, Southwestern Japan. So I think Southeast Japan. Okay. Great. Perfect. Great. Um, so we're doing this because baseball season's starting. We're a little bit early because the baseball season's starting a little bit early. Plus, this is when our calendar would allow us to do it. Yeah, there's not a lot of great time in the future because there are a lot of films coming out that we want to see and run Lola Run. And so, Yes, and <laughs> run Lola Run. And so, uh, the reason it's 42 this year is our baseball movie. We've previously done... Eight Men Out. Eight Men Out. And, and Bad News Bears. There you go. And this year it's 42. Because uh, last year it came down to 42 and 8 men out, and this year happens to be the Jackie Robinson's 100th birthday. Wow. There you go. Good thing we didn't blow this. Yeah, right? We did it. There it is. You have a great take on this. Yeah? This is a safe film. <laughs> <laughs> it is a safe film. It's a very safe film. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to get into this. I'm gonna yeah, get into go this. for it. All right. Jump in. We got less than 42 minutes. You know what I like uh-huh. about this film? Yeah. Is that it shows... It, okay, so it presents Jackie Robinson mm-hmm. uh, as, like a, like, a person, like, with real emotions, and that they show, like, you know, Jackie Robinson, he was pretty angry about these things. Yeah. And, like, he wasn't just this stoic character who, like, turned the other cheek all the time. Because I think that happens a lot with... Um, Figures like Martin Luther King Jr. and Abraham Lincoln, where it's very much like oh, we're we have to we have to almost make them godlike because of their, their contributions. I'm not saying their contributions aren't wonderful and great, but a lot of time in representation, we're like, oh, we can't lay a finger against. We're them. afraid to show that these iconic historic figures. Have any had, controversy. Had layers underneath what they were. That they were real humans. Mm-hmm. And that real humans make mistakes. And real humans have feelings that they would like to feel. Mm-hmm. And so I think that what this film does, in a way, it actually makes Jackie Robinson seem even more... Like, to me, I was, like, more on his side. Yeah. Let's say I'm not on MLK or Abe Lincoln's side. <laughs> no, I get what you're saying. Though. But, like, I was more like, oh, like... I like I see the struggle much more with like what you're going through because you're showing me the anger and the rage and you're not just like all is well and dandy. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I do really appreciate about the film is it's not afraid to it's not afraid to show what life was like in the time that Jackie Robinson was around. But it also, like, so my take is that it's a safe film. I don't think that it's due, outside of, like, one specific scene, I don't think the film is really 
doing anything all that progressive or doing anything all that unique. It's not trying to pre- it's not trying to present racism in America in a new light. We know what it was like, and it's going to show it to us as what it is. The only scene in the whole film that I think approaches anything kind of kind of unsafe, I guess, just to use that other word, there is the scene with Alan Tudyk where he's the manager. And that is mostly for its excessive repetitive use of the N-word. And I think in that scene in particular, what I what I do really appreciate about that scene is that no one's batting an eye at what he's doing until it becomes the plot point. That, like, this is where his teammates are going to stand up to him. And what I also appreciate isn't necessarily that the player that goes out and talks to him doesn't necessarily say, like, stop using that specific racial slur. It's like, shut up and let the man bat. Like, this is wrong what you're doing. You're going too far because of he's an African-American. It's not specifically the slur. that Because I think that that's a really important point to point out there. That, like, no, he wouldn't go out there and be like, stop using this slur. He'd go out there and start defending the man himself. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm really glad that we're doing this film this year also in, in light of the Green Book win in terms of the best picture. And I know that might be a little bit of an old conversation at this point when you guys hear this episode. It's about two, we're recording this about two, three weeks in advance. Uh, so we're still pretty fresh off the Oscars here. You guys have just, you're about to listen to School of Rock. Ooh, there you go. Oh, man. That's where we're at right They're now. They're not hardcore, unless they live hardcore. <laughs> no. <laughs> Two-thirds of this uh, this area is not hardcore. Dude, that post got so many shares. I was like, people that I didn't even know. I was like, who is share- Who are you? I don't have mutual friends with you. Why are you You were on the post? news for it. Yeah, like, they interviewed me. They were like, your meme was good. <laughs> and you're, it was great. You were like, um, great. Thanks. I, I did it while still in my bed. <laughs> cool stories. Um, what is the difference between a film like 42 and a film like Green Book? I think it's an interesting question to dive into real fast, just because 42 for me is a safe film. I think that the same audience who liked Green Book would like 42. But what 42 does is it flips the script and it says that the most important person in this story is not Branch Rickey. It's not Harrison Ford. It's not the white teammates. It's not the white manager. It's Jackie Robinson. And what it does is it's more concerned with his story and his point of view than anything else. And that, to me, is a subtle yet very important difference. Because when you look at a film like Green Book, it is a film that is about Nick Vallelonga at its soul and at its heart. It doesn't care about, um, oh man, Mahershala Ali's character. I don't remember. Dr. Shirley. Dr. Shirley. It doesn't care about Dr. Shirley's story. And that's, to me, a big difference between the two films. That's why I can be on board with something like 42 rather than something like Green Book. You know, I was just, I, I was watching this film. So I, I saw a fighting with my family very recently. And I was like, yes. 
I've seen a sports film before. Ah. And I see what you're doing here. I think that there's something similar about 42. Is is that sports film? Um, and, And one of the things that I guess with this film, I guess I really didn't know. I didn't know where much about Jackie Robinson other than Jackie Robinson was the first African-American baseball player in the major league. Mm-hmm. I was like, great, here we go. Apparently his number was 42. Yes. That's significant later yeah. on in the world. Um, but Old, only number <laughs> retired through all of baseball. And in April, they wear it. April 15th. Yeah, everyone wears it. Yeah. Why April 15th? Uh, that's the day he broke the barrier. What? Oh, that was when you joined? Yeah. Oh, okay. That was when he officially made the days, made his debut for the Brooklyn Dodgers. Okay. Yeah. That all makes sense. This came out on April 12th. They got as close as they could, but it needs <laughs> but to still Friday. be a weekend. But Friday. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're like, to me, it seems almost like they stopped... They ended the film in a strange place, and then they bring up all the title cards of like he did so many things, and I was like, I was like, wait, wait, why did we stop here? Yeah, I agree with you. They definitely made a choice to just focus on the early mm-hmm. part of his career and the actual act of breaking the barrier and how he was gonna deal with all of that stuff. He lives a very interesting life, and I think he lives. He goes on to be an activist after his career as well. And so I he's a figure that you could bring Chadwick Boseman back in like 10 years, do the... A the, series? <laughs> do the retirement years. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, he's great in terms of that. There is a, the movie called The Jackie Robinson Story that Jackie Robinson plays himself as is his story growing up. It comes out in the 50s. Uh, or the 60s, maybe? Hang on, let me find the year. Here, here, I'll do it. I'm on, I'm on his Wikipedia page. <laughs> Jackie Robinson's Wikipedia page? Yeah. Nice. Uh, so the film itself... 1950. Uh, 50. Comes out 1950, and it's basically a biography of his life, and he plays himself. Does he play young him? Yes. On he, his knees? He plays <laughs> Clifford, every version of Clifford, him. Yeah, Clifford style. style. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and it, it is more so what you're saying in that sense of... We're celebrating his life a little bit more yeah, in his career. But I get it. Like, he's there. He wants to just make a movie about, like, hey, look at how cool I was. Mm-hmm. Like, cool story. Although I also feel like I could then have the argument if they f- go longer in his career that I'd be like, they just, they had to stretch it out so very little of yeah. each thing. That's that's the difficult thing with, this, I think, yeah. biographies. Because, like... You never know where, you never know a great time to stop if you're doing one person's life. Yeah. If you're doing an event, you have a much better, like, time thing. And this is what I like that biopics have started doing is they're, they are taking a new, new biopics that I like Mm -hmm. versus something like a Bohemian Rhapsody, which is a very standard biopic. Um, or a, like a Ray, or a Walk the Line, all of those kind of things. Um, what they're doing is, is they take an event, like the central event of a person's life, and they put that forward rather than try to do beginning to end. And I like that because we're sticking to a story. Like Selma did this with MLK. It was an MLK biopic, but it was just about his Selma march. Mm-hmm. Um, you could say like um, Alan or the uh, Invitation Game. It's just him game. during World War Two. Yeah. Um, what is the tennis one? Billie Jean King. Um, a I, Battle of the Sexes. Battle of the Sexes just focuses on that part of mm-hmm. that moment in her life. 
Um, so I appreciate that this is the new trend in, in biopic. Um, I also like this movie... I think just because I like baseball, I, I'm not sure if this like I'm glad the movie hit hit you at least somewhat because I've always thought that I don't know if this movie is broken into the culture that much. I, in, in not like in the ways of like the Field of Dreams or the Major Leagues or the the kind of natural like in that way that that though even something like Moneyball, which I think pierced it a little bit more than this film, and that's partially because it's a little it's a safe little studio film. It's no more, no less. I think it's a good vehicle for Chadwick Boseman. But in terms of, like, the old star system, it's just something to help prop him up. And, like, this is a stepping stone on his way up. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I don't... Uh, when the baseball scenes were happening, I was like, oh, he's gonna, he's gonna run from a base to another... I played yeah. softball. Yeah. I know the terms. But as I was watching it, I was... The baseball scenes, I wasn't like, this is great sports filmmaking. Yeah. Um, not in a way... Like... Which, I, that's also a very hard thing to do with these sports films, is that a lot of times you get directors who don't know how to shoot sports yeah. in a specific way. And I think that's true about this one. Mm-hmm. It, the, the, I think you said, like, the the sports stuff is not the most compelling stuff of this film. The the time that they think... The thing that they have the easiest time is having him steal bases. Yes. Because it's him running from a base to another base, and, like... When it comes to the baseball play itself, it's usually someone at bat, yeah. which can be a very a lot easier thing to do. Yeah, and the director himself, so Brian Hedgeland, mm-hmm. Helgeland, I don't know how to say his last name, has I would he's, say he has very little because he's a he was a screenwriter originally. Yeah, and so it's uh, Legend, the Tom Hardy one, Knight's uh, Tale, Knight's Tale, Payback, yeah, like uh, the, was the it? Order. Yeah. So and legend and apparently oh, a wait. sequel to Payback. <laughs> Payback straight up. <laughs> but he's he's written a lot of uh, he's written some good things. He's written like LA Confidential, Mystic mm-hmm. River, Man on Fire, some bad things. But like writing's hard. So he's right. He wrote Gemini Man. I think so. he's a he's a very workman like director. He's not doing anything there. There is some. There is my favorite sequence in the whole movie. Uh, is the one in... So it is right after uh, Alan Tudyk is being just the worst human alive. And Jackie Robinson goes into the tunnel in the dugout and, like, breaks breaks his bat on the wall and it's having a breakdown. And I like that we're seeing the facade of Jackie Robinson broken. And then you just see Branch Rickey come up to him and, like, he's mad at him. And he's like, I'm gonna punch the next white person that talks to me. And, like, he... The, the scene... That scene and their connection is something that is really important in this movie. And it's shot really well. It's backlit. There's a lot of silhouette. Or, like, it's, it's, it's a very well... well-framed sequence. And I just... That's probably my favorite sequence of the whole movie. And it's one of those scenes where... So David Sims talks about, like, one of the hardest things about biopics is, like, trying to... If you're, like, doing a great artist or something, like... Uh-huh. You know, they have to have the moment of, I'm going to paint yeah. the sunflower. Yeah. Like, how do you film, like, them coming like, I'll paint a sunflower. You get Willem Dafoe. <laughs> that's, that's... But, like, that's one of those moments where, like, you're like, oh, okay, it's not forced that the connection gets made. Yes. Which is, like... I also appreciate something like this to where, and this is a very specific sports thing, so one of the complaints about a lot of sports films, specifically with, like, Moneyball, is, like, 
the Brad Pitt character in Billy Bean was not as instrumental with the day-to-day operation of the game as the film would make it out to be. I like that Branch Rickey stays away for the most part. He's only he's, he's up in, in his, his office. office. He's usually uh, removed. He's down at spring training because owners are down at spring training. But like he's he, an owner. Yes. Yeah. So Branch Rickey is the owner of the Dodgers. I was a little confused yeah. about what he was doing. He's now. the white guy with money. Yeah. I was yeah. like, oh, okay. So he's father baseball. Yeah, father baseball. Yes, of course. Yeah. No, he calls the co- the commissioner who calls him. That's father baseball. Well, and I also like that. Like he's also kind of scummy, and yeah. you're you're like, oh, we don't have just like a white savior. And I like that his reasoning. I love that his reasoning for doing this, and the film doesn't shy away. It doesn't. It's not as overt, but it doesn't shy away from it. Like money, I would like the African American dollars. Mm-hmm. Nobody's trying to get them. I'm going to get them. Yeah. And if I win because of it, great. Like. I and then so... he was like, "Oh my gosh, this guy's good. I got. We gotta win. Yeah, we need to win. Yeah." And I just I appreciate that they were honest in that sense of like Branch Rickey did a good thing and he did a very good thing and he knew what he was doing. I'm not gonna say it was completely like money, 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 money driven, but at the end of the day, that was much like everything else. Much like, and I hate to be this cynical, but like. This is why diversity is popular right now. Is because it's making money. He knew that if he did this, he could make money. Money makes the world go round. All right. Uh, we got five minutes. We got five minutes here. Uh, we haven't talked about the performances. Great. Um, I'm sorry. Was there someone who's not great? No. Everyone's great. Um, I just a lot of these baseball players. They all shift into one person, and I can tell how they're different. Based on how rude they are. Which is so funny because it's kind of like a who's who of like 20-something character actors? Yeah. Like 30-something character actors? I knew who Alan it's... Tudyk was, but it took me a while when I was looking at him. I'm like, is that Alan Tudyk? <laughs> is that my chicken? You've got uh, Lucas Black is here? What? <laughs> who is he? He's Peter Reese. What? Which, which one's that? So when they go to Cincinnati... Is he the one that yells at Alan Tudyk no, or is he's... he the one that gets traded because he's... No, he's neither. He's the one when they go to Cincinnati and he puts his arm around him uh-huh. and he's like, my family's up there in the stands and they're going to see that I... He's basically like, I'm not racist, I have a black friend. <laughs> like, that's that's who he is. Uh- <laughs> oh, I thought that was the guy that yelled it out. <laughs> nope. Uh, that is... Maybe that's Hiram? Oh, what's his name? Uh, I don't remember the actor's name, and we don't have time for me. Hiram, what, what's the first name? Can uh, I get a first I name? I think the actor's first name is Hiram. Okay. Uh, he, anyway, he is the one who uh, invites Jackie Robinson to shower with them for the first time. He's like, no, you're a member of our team. Come shower with us. Is it Hamish? Hamish! It's Hamish. Hamish Linklater. Well, yes. Ralph Branca. It's Ralph Branca. Um, he, uh, is also in a sitcom with, uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar and Robin Williams called The Crazy Ones That I Like. Um, she draws a perfect circle. She, yeah, she does. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you, guys. We don't have time. <laughs> okay. No, but I want to talk about Chadwick Boseman and Harrison Ford. Okay. First off, Chadwick Boseman, I think, is really wonderful in this movie. He gives a really subtle performance with all of his... Thing, everything he has to do. Uh, the episode we have next up for you, he would have been on that list. However, we talk about him here. And I think he's just wonderful. And I think that what he he makes this movie. 
Any thoughts on Chadwick Boseman? Great. It's when is he not great? It's different from his other performances because for a while he was just like, "Hey, I'm gonna be the biopic guy. Like, I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna do Marshall, and I'm gonna do James Brown. It's all good. I'm the biopic guy." I'm gonna tell you what I know about him. Okay. Black Panther. Uh huh. Marshall. Uh huh. Pre going into the, that's all I got here. Okay, great, perfect. Where in one, um, his journey through Black Panther. First, he plays like I'm. a like I'm getting revenge on my dad but I'm the cool character here to like I'm the stoic character and everyone else around me is very fun Uh, and then in Marshall he's like kind of cool but like that's not his film it's Josh Gad's film halfway through he's the cool one and everyone's doing things around him yeah Uh, last person to chat about real fast uh, Harrison Ford my favorite uh, actor of all time look at this guy he's here Uh, my hot take on 42 for a a long time was the last film Harrison Ford tried in. Whoa, Star Wars! Seven! <laughs> now, see, I still, even past The Force Awakens, <laughs> 42 was still the last film Harrison Ford tried in. I have a new film, though. Ender's Game. Yep, Ender's Game. <laughs> nope, it's not Ender's Game. I don't know. Uh, we don't have time. Harrison Ford came to play in Blade Runner 2049. Sure. Like the, he actually punched Ryan Gosling in yeah. the face. He was like, "Let's do it." So no, I like. No, Harrison. he really did. No, I know. <laughs> and he actually broke his foot in Star Wars. Harrison Ford's the best. I love Harrison Ford in this movie. I think he does a really good job as Brian Tricky in all of its layers and levels. I don't remember her name, and we don't have time to look it up because this episode has what's to up? Forty-two what's minutes. Up? What's up? Who are you looking wife? for? Who's his wife? Uh, Nicole B. Harry. She's great. Harry. She supports him really well. I wish there was more of that character. The only last complaint that I have against this film is that it gets too hokey at times. Uh, it gets too hokey in the kid who's like, I wa- I'm going to go watch Jackie Robinson play. And then he's like, I hear him. And then the... <laughs> you didn't love that where he has his head against the... It's adorable. <laughs> it's really hokey. It probably actually happened. It's fine. Um, and then he goes on to be like a professional baseball player. Other thing, and I was like, I had to pay attention yes. to that kid. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Other thing, Lucas Black is, I don't, that storyline is real and true, but it's like, it's done really hokey and kind of not great as well. Uh, last thing, Andre Holland, also great in this movie. Long live Andre Holland. Is he the reporter? Yes. Okay. Are we at 42 minutes? Two. One. 42. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Okay. Uh, find us at all of our places. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on uh, Apple Podcasts and iTunes. You can find us on Twitter at TWT underscore podcast. YouTube. Let's watch together. Uh, Letterboxd. Jeremy ACT and Kelly Gallagher. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this 42 minute episode. Quack, 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 quack. It's an important quack. film. Go see it. It's yeah, a safe it. film. Yeah. Safe like baseball, sports film. <laughs> quack, quack, quack. Quack, 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 quack.